good evening from Lar Plugkit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 526 of F5 Live, refreshing technology for Monday, April 15, 2019. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Google's changing its delivery. PlayStation is changing your ID, and Yahoo is changing its settlement offer. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, um, on any of our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Mixer, Periscope, um, Twitch, YouTube Live, or Facebook Live, on any of the podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the uh, podcast play app and the Windows Store, the myriad of others like Spotify and TuneIn, or of course on our website, plughitslive.com. Uh, thank you for making us a part of your day. There's a couple ways that you can do that. Uh, the first is normally on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, but obviously this evening on a Monday, uh, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us, and there you can watch us live. Chat with us in the studio during the show. Let us know uh, your thoughts on the topics as we discuss them. We always like to hear that. If you're not able to join us live, that is okay. You can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe, and there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live and The Pilch Point, which will be on in just a little bit. Um, also, our First Look series, uh, which there'll be new content coming to. Our special events feed, like... Uh, uh, CES and Collision and things like that, and a whole lot more. Uh, and I think that is uh, the the spiel. Avram, how are you doing? I Not bad. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I've I had a a fun conversation with with a business friend today, which is always always nice. It's good to hear you know friends doing well. So I always like to hear that. I can't wait to in the future, get into the stuff we talked about. <laughs> but I, I can tell our viewers that there will be a lot of um, uh, product reviews <laughs> coming very shortly because we've got some products heading our way from this deal. So I'm, it's been a good day. And uh, Wednesday, I go to Houston for the uh, first world championship. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I have not done that in 20 years. That's awesome. Yeah. That I, sounds like a lot of fun. I can't wait for that one. It's, it is going to be so different than when I was in first. It's so much bigger. It, I think we had like, I don't know, 50 teams at the championship when I was in the last time I was there. This basically takes over a good portion of downtown Houston. <laughs> we used to do it in the parking lot of Epcot. It is a very different experience. I can't. I can't wait to see it. Uh, so, uh, anything new and exciting with you? Been working on any projects? Uh, slowly but surely. You know, we uh, had uh, busy, busy times. So I haven't been able to work as much on my Raspberry Pi projects as I wanted to. Uh, doing some programming, programming some plugins and apps for work, so that took up some of my time. Mm -hmm. So not as not as I haven't had as much time to do the mechanical stuff as I wanted to do. Uh, but I did recently get in. I've been in a corner somewhere. The uh, the new Google um, 
Google now makes its own sort of AI dongle that you can use with Raspberry Pi. Uh-huh. It's, uh, and uh, we just ordered one, uh, recently ordered one, and I got it in, and I have to, I want to play with that and see nice. if it can do machine, see if I can make, uh, can, you know, learn how to do some machine learning. Nice. Uh, I'm really, uh, I'm really a little bit bored, though, of companies touting AI for things that are just regular process computers, uh-huh. regular computer things, like, saying you know come on i mean we see so many things that are touted as being ai that are just like okay we saved your settings to the cloud you know <laughs> a computer determined something like does that means anything where the computer is doing more thinking than an abacus is now ai yeah right we like there was a lot of that at ces this year and that was pretty annoying it's like no that's not Yes, a computer made a decision, but based on a very strict set of rules that were determined by a human being. That's not AI. AI is getting to know you and making a different decision for you than for me. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like we really stretch the bounds where any time a computer makes a decision, all of a sudden it's AI. So, like, search results are AI. AI because it's trying to find something for you based on a number of criteria. I, I, I don't right. know. I feel like yeah. I, AI is the new cloud. Yes. We're it no... used to be everything was everything was cloud. Whether it was cloud, or wasn't. Cloud, cloud. Now it's AI. And, right, and... my favorite, the personal cloud. <laughs> your hard drive is your personal cloud. Oh, that one gets me every time. It's like, no, that, what? That's the opposite of cloud. Oh. Right, exactly. Cloud is technically the opposite of virtual machine. It is, it's more, it's not one computer with multiple virtual computers on it. It's multiple computers with the ability to have one virtual computer across it, but whatever. That word has lost all of its meaning. Um, disruption has lost all of its meaning. <laughs> Innovation, I yes. think, has lost all of its meaning. We uh, reinvent. Yes, we definitely tend to um, to lose the meanings of words in the tech industry pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Weird things happen. Um, let's get down to some news, though. This what this week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new Surface, an Xbox, PCs, and more, there is a spring sale going on right now through April 22nd. No special codes necessary, and there are a lot of deals available um, from Xbox games up to 65% off. Three months of the Xbox Game Pass, which we talked about last week, for a dollar for all three months. Um, you can save on the Xbox and even um, save some money on the Xbox designer controllers. All available by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So, um... 
for those who don't know, the process from from the time Google does an update on Android until the time you get it on your device can be significant. Um, in fact, it can be so significant that there are websites that track when you may or may not get especially big updates, but um, in particular, uh, smaller updates, security patches and stuff like that, because Google releases it to the manufacturers, the manufacturers may or may not release it to the carriers, and then the carriers will finally release it to you, and there can be a huge gap. We know, um, like, there are almost every tech site on the internet has a, uh, every time a new version of Android, major version of Android comes out that has trackers uh, in particular for the Samsung phones. When is Samsung going to get the next update? And it can be, there can be a big gap. Um, and so when it, especially when it's a smaller update, security updates and things like that, that can be a problem uh, because, well, security updates, right? Uh, it's, it's literally the thing that needs to get to people quickly. And uh, thanks to a find by 9to5Google, it actually looks like Google is working to bring updates out of the deep, dark recesses of the settings menu, which, depending on your manufacturer, can be difficult to find, um, and putting them directly into the Google Play Store. Now, there are some benefits there. Uh, being in Google Play could mean that they could bypass that whole chain, uh, maybe for smaller updates, maybe not for big ones, but certainly for smaller updates, they may be able to bypass that chain, get security updates to you quicker. Uh, but on the other hand, it could mean, since it's in the Play Store, that you might have to have Play services enabled to get updates, which may or may not be a problem for companies who are using Android and not... Uh, the open Android project, but Android proper without Google services um, and have their own stores or whatever, it may uh, may become a problem for them. They may have to switch to uh, the AO, what the OAP or or enable Google Play. I I don't know. Do you think do you think that this is a like if it required Play services? Do you think that would be a good move for Google? Um, I mean, if it meant that people got their update more frequently, yes, mm -hmm. but I don't know how they're going to make sure that it doesn't break things because of all the customizations uh -huh. that vendors like Samsung do. Yeah. Um, but I, I wish, but I don't know, maybe there's a way that they can separate. I don't totally understand how the kernel of Android works. Like, could they have it so that the, I mean, the, to put a skin on Android does not necessarily mean that you have to have a different version of Android. Correct. So, you know, I mean, they're launchers all the time. So, right. I mean, if Samsung and I don't know, LG and all these other companies would just like build their Android in a way that was, you know, they could have their custom look and feel of their preloaded apps, but they don't have to, um, I don't know, rewrite the whole operating system so that the, you know, the OS updates mm -hmm. when Google updates it. I mean, it would be nice if it was more like Windows, right? Where you know you've got a million PC vendors and they'll put their own wallpaper on there if they want their own apps, but they're not. They don't. They don't do it so that they you can't 
have a Windows update right. only like imagine the craziness if only you can only get a Windows update from Dell right or Lenovo right which so, wait obviously the and and the way Microsoft has done that right is that they've it's it's the layered approach that that Windows has taken in the last especially in the last decade or so um what year is it no I god last two decades holy cow um <laughs> where they've really really layered windows and um allowed the hardware vendors to publish their own driver updates through windows as well through windows update uh, all of that has made it possible for for a really unified windows update experience uh you know maybe maybe google's working on that too where you know qualcomm and whoever can can actually distribute the proper drivers for for window for uh, Android updates on their own, so that you know there's no concern that you know this Qualcomm chip on nine point oh point one has some weird conflict in memory. You know, if, you know if they if they allow if they allow that, that would be even better. My fear here, though, is a company like Google who's constantly under global scrutiny for antitrust all of a sudden requiring all android devices to have the play services I, the fact that it ships with chrome has been enough of a concern mm, but i guess the question is what do ships mean right because uh other companies that use android such as i i don't know exactly but doesn't amazon take the oap mm-hmm. Or something like that, or yeah. they they take the source code and compile it, or something. Yeah, it comes from OAP. So they don't have a problem. Nope. I mean, but um, but there are a lot of manufacturers that use that use Android Prime, uh, and not the open Android project, but Android Prime, and uh, pull the Play services out of it, including the Play Store. Mm. And who would, does that? Who um, would you say does that? They're it's mostly the ones that that we harass all the time the the forty dollar uh, CVS tablets thing, things like that um, which it seems like the the customer that buys that is probably the one that doesn't run updates anyway you know so you know well, you they, never know it, yeah I mean obvi- I what I don't totally understand and I think some of these things are a little bit of a secret is why wouldn't the $40 phone maker want the play services on there? It's a fair question, uh, possibly because they're hoping that using their own store, they can generate the revenue that they don't generate from selling the hardware at $40. I have no idea. If they have a store. Right. I mean, you know, because I think some of those cheap ones, they just don't even care. So, like, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, I know at one time Google was kind of particular. Google had some standards that you had to follow to be able to put Google Play services, but I'm not sure if that's if, that's still true. It, and if you wanted to use the Android logo um, on the device, uh, it had to um, it had to have the Play Store on it, and that those rules are still in place. So I think the number of manufacturers who are doing that are less than way less than there used to be, and I think the majority of them at this point are probably either going to switch to OAP or bring play services. It seems like those are the only two options because it would be crazy to try and run on, on, you know, Android prime without 
updates. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is there, isn't there like, aren't there some forks of Android that are used in other countries like China? Uh-huh. That but, where I think they have their own all, store. That all come off of the OAP, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess that, that those forks would be responsible for their own, you know, for for updating via the OAP. But Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think overall Google is doing something that's beneficial to the majority of Android users, mm-hmm. which is they're giving them pos- potentially a way to get updates in a timely fashion. Right. Which I think so, I think all in all is the most important part personally. I think yeah. I think the security of the devices. I mean, look look at what happened with iOS 12.2. Was that the one that that was like beta 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 and then all of a sudden they found a a security flaw and it was out within hours. They're like, "Uh-oh." Yeah. You know, that's that's the kind of thing that Apple can do, the kind of thing that Microsoft on Windows Phone was able to do because the carriers and the manufacturers had nothing to do with it again because of that layered approach. You know, maybe maybe Android has been putting been working on that layered approach. Maybe maybe that's the big deal with nine because you know there hasn't been nine wasn't the big revolutionary update that you know Android has done some, with a number of the the major releases in the past. Maybe that's maybe that's what they've been working on is trying to mimic that layered approach so that they could do this. Either way, I I think I'm with you. I think the the security benefits outweigh any of the other like Google's enforcing their whatever because they could point to in for, in this case they could point to both Microsoft and Apple doing the same thing and go no 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 this is this is better don't worry yeah also frankly I really wish more company I really I mean I guess it's not really a problem except for Amazon but I really wish you could have the Play Store on on, on everything because what a pain in the butt it is that like my son is on his yeah. like third or fourth uh, Amazon tablet and the fact that he can only use Amazon store is is a real problem. Yeah, there's unfortunately there's a lot of companies that don't put stuff in the Amazon store, even though it wouldn't cost them anything. Right. Uh, there's a lot of like connected toys right. or whatever where like, you know, he got one for his birthday, uh, like a, this this toy minecraft set that you can use to make stop motion videos it's set on the box that you could that you could use it on on uh on amazon but it's not there so like you know so what do we do you know fortunately i he has my old phone and he uses that for everything else because he can't use his tablet because it doesn't have the play store so you know i think if you have an android device it's to your advantage to have the play store yeah i I agree. So, you know, I I don't think that this is even if even if there's that whole, you know, Google flexing its muscle thing that you'll definitely hear from the EU. I mean, they they get mad at everything. Uh, but even with that, I think this is the I think this is the better move. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're building a new PC or an upgrading or upgrading an existing one, Newegg has all the parts and pieces to make it easy for you. Uh, from motherboards and processors to monitors and keyboards, 
Uh, they've got a little bit of everything, and uh, they do a number of daily deals. As we're sitting here right now, they've got um, an Asus on sale. Um, but again, they change every day, so you never know what it's going to be. And it's not always uh, just computer stuff. We've seen uh, refrigerators and all kinds of stuff in the daily deals. So it's worth taking a look. And uh, the best way to do that is by going to pilchpoint.live slash newegg. Speaking of laptops, Abram, I believe you've I, got one next to you. I do. So uh, this is my show and tell for this week. This laptop is fairly uh, – ju we've just tested uh, going – my review of this is going up this week is the HP Spectre X360 13-inch, the newest version. So this has been out for a couple of months uh, for a little while, but we've just gotten ours and got to review it. And I really want to talk about – uh, for those who are not familiar with this with this laptop, or at least with the latest version of it, which has gotten a new, some design changes, uh, that this really is a fantastic two-in-one. Uh, perhaps, perhaps, arguably the best uh, the best consumer two-in-one around. Uh, if you're unless you you know if you want something light and portable, uh, and and maybe the best sort of ultrabook around, at least for. For consumers if you don't want a business product like a thinkpad um, because it's really got a lot of fantastic features so uh, first of all it's 13 inches uh, 13 as there's a 15 inch version but this is the the 13 hey I shut it down before one thing that's really interesting by the way is where they've put the on and on button here the newest version of the Spectre has these tapered edges. So on one side here, you have the power button. And on the other side, you have the the charging port, the USB-C charging port. Oh. So it's kind of neat actually having your charging port there because it allows you to... Um, it allows you to sort of have your, have your power plug sort of not really taking up the side but not not in the back yeah was that uh, was that at like a 45 degree angle yes yes awesome so so right so these let me show you again so these so oh, here this is, is the power button and on the other side this is like totally oh, indented there and on the other side here is the nice is the uh charging charging port so um, so what's cool about that is, you know, I think it's kind of a neat design touch too. You don't see that much. It's kind of neat how it has a sort of copper band around it. Uh -huh. So there's two different color schemes actually. And this one I have here is called the ash silver. I don't know why they call it silver. Cause it looks copper. Uh, it looks like sort of copper and brown or, uh, maybe, I mean, I guess you could say this is kind of a, a silver. It's sort of, a, it looks more like. This is sort of the ash, and the other sort of like a copper. Yeah. But, but the other color scheme is even is much better. So this is really nice. But the other one is Poseidon blue, which Ooh. is like a sort of a dark, like a dark slate blue, with kind of a more of a silver uh, banding, and uh, that's that's really cool. Uh, and you can get it in either one. So uh, besides the the look of this by the way this is a very light notebook it's 2.8 pounds uh which doesn't make it the lightest in the world but but 
but really quite light. Um, it is, you know, really, really, it is 0.6 inches thick, uh, which makes it very thin, but you notice that they have not skimped on giving you, at least giving you the, the one USB type A port, which is something you don't get on a lot of new thin, super thin notebooks. You, you get stuck with C only. So, and here you have a Thunderbolt 3 port. Uh, and a micro SD card slot. So not a lot of ports, but the ports that you really need. The the screen, uh, this one here is the 1080p screen, but it comes in a 4K. Uh, it comes wow. in both a 4K and a 1080p, and a 1080p that has HP's Shoreview, which is the um, which is basically the uh, the thing that sort of limits the viewing angles to keep you from being visually hacked at the coffee shop. Oh, but um, and and this being a two-in-one, of course, you know it bends back. Um, now, despite how bright it looks in the uh, looks when I'm showing it to you, <laughs> the one thing that is a little bit of a downer on this is that the screen is super colorful but not super bright. Uh, the screen came in with like 150% of the sRGB color gamut, which is great, but under 300 nits. Which is not terrible, but I'd like to see for a premium notebook like this, you know, something brighter, at least like 350. Um, however, we didn't test the 4K model, which might be quite a lot brighter. Uh-huh. Uh, now, what's really the most impressive thing about this notebook, I think, besides the fact that it looks good, colorful screen, the keyboard is pretty good. Uh, oh, and it it comes with it comes with an active stylus. Yay! No, no, no! Microsoft charging you, you know, a hundred bucks. This comes with extra. It comes with a with a pretty good active stylus here. Um, it lasts over twelve hours on a charge. Wow! So, right, so twelve hours and seven minutes on our battery test, which uh, involves continuous surfing at one hundred and fifty nits. So, uh, so you got good battery life in your thin package. You don't have to skimp on the battery life. Uh, You've got you've got a really nice selection of ports. You've got a good keyboard. You've got good performance. Uh, this is available with a Core i5 or Core i7 processor. This is the i7-8565U. Uh, so it is um, so it is you know kind of top of the line for a 15 watt processor. Uh, and uh, this particular configuration has 8 gigs of RAM and 256 gig SSD, but it's available with up to 16 gigs of RAM and up to a, a 2 terabyte SSD. Wow. Uh, uh, this model here, this config here, which is the Core i7 1080p screen, uh, 8 gig and 256, is 11.99 uh, right now. Uh, I would recommend spending a bit more to get it with more RAM and uh, a bigger SSD and uh, maybe with 4K because you'll probably get a better display. On the other hand, the battery life probably won't be as good. So that's that's the trade-off. But this is a really, really impressive, impressive notebook. Um, Highly recommended to anybody who's looking for something super portable. Um, I think this really stacks up well against the XVS 13. So even if you're not, say, convinced that you need a two-in-one, you just want to type on it like a laptop, uh, you don't have to bend this back, and you'll still be getting 
a great keyboard and and you know a colorful screen and a really gorgeous design and long battery life so uh really highly recommend uh the hp specter x3 x360 13 inch there is also a 15 inch which we've already reviewed and, and liked at, at uh, tomshardware.com uh, but the 15 inch is more expensive and heavier and, but it's really made for creative professionals who want discrete graphics and to do some more video editing whereas this is more of a kind of a general purpose uh, you can be you know do productivity with it surf the web you know great probably a really great laptop for students in school um, you know fine for some fine for someone like me who's not really an artiste um, and not really playing a lot of a lot of PC games so um, you know uh, a really good uh, a really good premium laptop uh, in the HP Spectre X360 13 inch and you can read more about it uh, later this week on tomshardware.com so okay did you say that it was a micro SD card slot on the side Yes. Aww. I know. It would be nice if they were SD card slots on the side. I see a lot of companies doing this now. I'm really not sure what they're thinking. I guess they're thinking that microSD is microSD is kind of the standard for phones. Um, I'm not even really sure why why new DSLRs aren't coming with microSD, considering that everything is going to to microSD. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you do photography, you probably are using full-size SD cards, and that would not be great for you unless your first your full-size SD card is actually a micro SD card and an adapter. In which case, you could just pull it out of the the adapter and put it in here. Right. I. It's funny because uh, when I got when I got this the the Surface Book, one of the big things for me was that it has a full-size SD because I'd had several computers in a row that were all micro, and I'm like, oh, come on. And this went back to a full-size, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> Big win for on, me. <laughs> on on my uh, current laptop, which is a ThinkPad uh, X1 Carbon, the uh, there is like a micro SD card slot, but it's like buried behind a latch or something, so you really... It's like not meant for you to be popping them in and out all the time. <laughs> I I think that the point of micro SD on some of these laptops, like this one, I honestly don't think that HP or or Lenovo or whoever is making it is thinking of it in terms of uh, using a camera and taking pictures off the camera. I think they're thinking of it in terms of memory expansion. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, you only have a two fifty six gig SSD in this. That makes sense. You could put a micro SD card in there, leave it in 24/7, yeah. and have and double your your capacity very easily. Very cheap. I mean, too. a two a 256 gig micro SD card is what 30 bucks. Yeah, and and that's a that that you're looking at a at an ultra for 30 bucks. You're probably going to get a class 10. <laughs> you know, there's they're all so inexpensive today. It's unbelievable. Right, right, exactly. So, you don't have to spend much to get to get that. And while that, you, I wouldn't install any apps on it. Right. If what you're doing is putting photos on it, 
or music files uh, or, or things like that, then the micro SD card is okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that could be a good use of it. Now, what I really wish is that companies like HP and would not sell you a laptop without a fi- at least a 512 gigabyte SSD in 2019 because it only costs like 30 bucks uh, to go up from a 256 to a 512 gigabyte SSD, but you cannot upgrade this laptop. So, you know, that is a downside. I mean, although yeah. very few Ultrabooks like this. If there are screws on this, they're under these these glued-on rubber feet. Uh-huh. And, and, and so while at Tom's Hardware, we actually try to open up every laptop to see if it's upgradable, we don't break them. So, you know, at least not on purpose. So, um, <laughs> so you know, if we see something like that, we just stop. Uh, and my guess is, uh, so in other words, you can't upgrade this. There are some notebooks you can buy where there's a nice hatch on the bottom and you mm-hmm. could go and you could buy yourself a 512 gig SSD later uh, or a gig terabyte SSD later uh, when you have a little more money or there's a sale. Um, with this, you can't. So your only means to upgrade the storage is going to be to uh, to pop in a micro SD card. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I hadn't considered that, although... It, in my mind, I always go back to the, the old days where laptops were, were spinning drives, and um, we used a, a micro SD in one of our laptops for ReadyBoost so, so that we could make the computer faster. So right. same general idea, <laughs> using it yes. as, a, as a direct expansion as opposed to using it for, for uh, temporary in-and-out storage. That makes sense. Okay. Um, you said that, uh, we'll see the article later in the week. Yes. Uh, Tom's Fantastic. Well, always appreciate getting to check out this stuff with you. And, uh, I can't wait to see what you bring us next time. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Upgrade your game uh, on PC and on uh, console with accessories from Razer. Whether you're looking for a new keyboard or a mouse or um, webcams, the Razer Phone 2 or full systems, all of it is available uh, from Razer. And right now there are a number of sales, uh, including the Razer uh, Black Widow right now um, and a a lot of deals on keyboards and uh, we've got all of those by going to f5live.tv slash razor alright so ever since the playstation network came about users have been asking for the ability to uh, to change their psn ids uh, sony has not been able to do it because they made a pretty amateur um, database decision early on and used the the ID, the your human typed in ID actually as a foreign key 
or as a primary key in the database, which makes it a foreign key to everything, including the games you play. There's no like number that identifies you and your username is just a, just a, a pretty textual representation of you. It was the primary key and apparently still is. However, uh, <laughs> they have put together a process in which they can notify games that the ID has changed. It is the craziest thing I've ever heard, um, especially from a big company like Sony. Um, but you can now change your PlayStation Network ID. However, here's what you need to know. First is, uh, you can only do it once for free. After the first time, it will cost you. Similar to how Xbox Live was eons ago uh, when they started and had name changes. Um, after It'll cost you after your first one. Um, also, not every game will work after you change your ID. There is a list of compatible games. <laughs> There's a list of compatible games um, that, I don't know, get the notification that you've changed your ID or whatever. I don't know. I, I don't know how they've band-aided this, but it is definitely what they have done. They have band-aided this and it is frightening. So if you have an urgent reason to change your PlayStation network ID, maybe, you know, it's got some connection to a, to an X or, you know, whatever. If you've got a, an urgent need to do it, go ahead and do it. If you don't have an urgent need to do it, I wouldn't. Because Sony says on their official website, even the games on the official uh, supported list may still not work. There's always the possibility that there is a situation that was not successfully tested. So even the compatible games may not be. <laughs> I'm just blown away by the stupidity of the programming. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, me too. I, I, I did I didn't realize that. I'm 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 really blown away by the stupidity of the programming because look, you know I'm no Sony programmer genius, but I've made a number of, of database driven apps in my time and I never I, and I always knew that you that you need to identify stuff by a unique number. Yes, nothing, never a string, and certainly not a human entered string. You know, it's it, it's it's got to be it's got to be a unique number. It's like I mean, it reminds me of all the problems. The reason why, um, what was it called? Uh, mobile. F- I don't remember what the original number was, uh, name was, but what is now called uh, uh, num- uh, phone number portability, the ability to take your number between carriers. Uh, when it was originally pitched just for cell phone companies, the reason why it took so long is because accounts were identified by the phone number, which, which was a huge problem. <laughs> It, it's why some of the carriers early on charged you if you wanted to change your phone number because it was actually a massive problem for them to change your cell phone number. Yeah. Uh. It's like, who cares what the database calls you? I don't care if I'm thirty number 33 million. It doesn't appear anywhere. What does it matter? <laughs> Just do it right. 
prevent these things. Yeah, that's that's really lame. Well, then I I echo your advice. You shouldn't, you know, don't do it unless you really need to do it because it sounds like a really messed up situation. Yeah, it sounds like even now it's questionable. Even after being publicly released, it sounds like it's still questionable. So, yeah. If it were me, I wouldn't do it until until there's enough information out in the wild from people who are doing it going, yes, all of my games still work. You know? It's, it, it's, it just seems too risky at this point. Just remember, everyone, computer... Computers are are run by are programmed by people, and a lot of people take the easy way out yeah. and don't program things well. I, I'll never forget a few years ago, a friend a friend of of my wife's was visiting, and she's a uh, professional developer, and she was having a problem. I, I forget what airline it was with like buying a t- an airline ticket okay. because the airline web form would not accept hyphenated last names. <laughs> right? Oh. It would not accept her hyphenated last name. Oh, no. And she called up the airline and she's like, I know you can do better than this. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you can't tell. And, and they like their advice to her was just like, don't use your whole last name. <laughs> oh, oh my God! And it and it's so funny because I know what went wrong. I, I can tell you exactly how it went. Well, wrong. they used they, they used the hyphen as an escape as a as an escape character. No, I bet. They, it, I mean, they didn't escape it. They I, used it as a limiter. I bet there's a I bet there's a regular expression validating that you're not putting like numbers and stuff in there. And they only accepted alphas capital and lowercase alphas and they didn't take uh, any special characters it. into consideration <laughs> i've seen right. i've seen that kind of thing before right completely thoughtless which is the reason uh, why thankfully now in frameworks you've got you've just got to validate name <laughs> let somebody smarter than you figure out what a name is and is not yeah yeah and in uh, in that world, the uh, the rule is the less lines of code you have to write, the better. <laughs> Let the smarter people do it for you. So anyway, um, you can now change your PlayStation ID. I wouldn't do it. Uh, I think that's the takeaway. <laughs> This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities, such as Scared to Death, which none of the people involved uh, appear to be. Uh, the way it usually works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, you play it along with the DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. They also do uh, live events, and they've got one coming up in uh, just over a week 
Uh, oh no, uh, this week, uh, April 18th, with a rebroadcast on the 24th, they have Octoman. Uh, live in theaters nationwide, and to find out what theaters it will be in, uh, to purchase your tickets, and to uh, purchase any of the movie commentaries, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. The guy on the cover is smiling. There's no part of this that is scared to death. Anyway, that's not what we're going to do. Let us instead talk about... Um, what was a pretty scary situation a couple of years ago when Yahoo announced that one billion of their accounts had uh, been breached and um, essentially everybody's password uh, that existed in 2013 was out in the wild. Uh, a billion of them, which is a lot of them. Um, and so uh, it was such a big deal. Uh, that when they announced it in 2016, that Verizon, who was in the per process of purchasing the company, actually asked for a discount and uh, got one. They asked for a billion dollars off. Uh, they got $350 million off. Okay, that, that'll work. Um, and so uh, after Verizon bought it, they did their own uh, forensic uh, research and discovered that a billion was wrong. It was actually every account. Three plus billion accounts on Yahoo had all been breached. And uh, every password ever was, was out in the wild. Um, and obviously, as you can expect, a number of lawsuits were filed. Uh, they mostly got consolidated into a single class action suit, which... Verizon has been desperately trying to solve so that we would not talk about it. Um, and uh, the first, their first attempt was uh, they wanted to pay like 85 million. No, not even. 50 million plus attorney's fees. <laughs> and a uh, federal judge said, this must be a joke. Get out of my courtroom. And so they've come back with a new number, which is $117.5 million. It will include... Um, let me find all the stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know where any of the stuff is now. It's in here. There we go. Two years of credit monitoring uh, for all affected accounts, which is everybody. Uh, or if you already pay for credit monitoring, they'll just write you a check for a hundred bucks to, uh, to reimburse you for what you're already paying for. Uh, or maybe you've already got credit monitoring for the next two years from one of the many other, <laughs> uh, breaches that you've been involved in. Uh, Verizon will give you a hundred bucks. Um, instead, um, the class representatives will receive a cash settlement, but you're not one of those. So don't worry about it. Um, and they will also pay uh, for any out-of-pocket costs related to identity theft uh, during this time period. So if if somebody you know got your information, got into your bank, and stole money, uh, you know, and you know whatever costs it took you to to fix it or whatever, uh, Verizon slash Yahoo will uh, help reimburse on. So. They are prepared for $117.5 million on that, which, by the way, 
less than half of the discount they got from Yahoo on the purchase price uh, for the breach. So that is an important number for everybody to remember. 350 and 117. Um, this still has to go in front of a judge. My guess is the judge will also know those two numbers. And um, there's, a, there's a likelihood that it'll get kicked back again. Because, uh, again, 3 billion accounts. I, you and I have talked about this. This is, if not the largest, definitely one of the top three largest uh, data breaches of all time. You know, the thing is, your data is like you have no no privacy. We need, unfortunately, nobody wants to address this problem. We are living in a, I don't know if you would call it a post-privacy society, but we are living in a in a time where your where if you're expecting your data not to be breached, then our our whole our our credit system uh-huh. and our identity system um, just is broken because it's far too easy for someone to to do to to do identity theft. Yeah. You don't even and, you don't even need that to go back to our previous story. You don't even need that primary key, which is our social security number. You don't even need that anymore. Right. So it's it's far too easy to have your identity stolen. It's far too difficult to do something about it. There need to be other ways of safeguarding somebody's identity and all this stuff that they're doing for you is kind of bogus in the first place because first of all you're entitled to your credit report from one of the three bureaus every, I think, six months or, or at least, what, one each per year. I uh, think that's what it but, is. But really, it ought to be on demand. It's your report. It's about you. You should be able to get it every day if you want. Um, second of all, nobody holds the credit monitoring companies responsible for this. Because what they're doing is effectively they're slandering you, right? Like if if they're saying that wow. you you took out these loans or whatever, and you it was somebody posing as you, then they're harming your reputation. Yeah. So like, wow. You know, but but nobody says, hey, you know, Equifax, I'm holding you responsible. It's always whoever committed, whoever let the data breach, and then. Yeah, and nobody, and even when the data breach was Equifax. They got off with almost nothing. And and so the solution to all this is not really to help you. It's just for you to it's just to push the problem onto you, which is, oh, monitor this. And then you're still going to be up the creek when you find out that somebody's stolen your identity. Uh-huh. Now, one thing you can do, which I recommend that people do, is freeze or is do a credit freeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know, you can do a credit freeze on all the major bureaus for free and then. No, and then companies cannot who have not do not have a relationship with you already cannot check. Your- so that that has some that does have some benefits. And, yeah. And then if you are going for a loan, then you have to turn it off. So that's you know that's that's it's you know, a, that's an issue. It's a little extra step that you have to that you have to do, but yeah. that little extra step is better than better than all of the things that come with having to 
having to constantly monitor and all those all those problems. Are you okay. still? Well, they say still... they're going to reimburse you. What does that even mean? Yeah, like who, who knows? Yeah, I'm here. Reimburse you for what? They're going to reimburse you for your time, because what usually happens in these cases is is you've got to make a million phone calls and beg a million places and send a million letters and get a million reports, and then hopefully, yeah. you know, talk to the manager, yell at people, you know, threaten to sue, whatever you need to do to get back whatever was stolen from you, your yeah. money, your your good name, whatever. And so that's not something that unless they're going to give you someone to call the credit bureau or call the bank or oh. call whoever it is that's the not that has the wrong information about you and and wait on the phone and talk to them on your behalf, you know, what are they going to reimburse you? Right. Cuz I can I can guarantee when I cut them a cut them an invoice they're not going to pay it <laughs> you know so does that mean i can build you know if my identity is stolen and i have to spend 10 hours on the phone uh you know waiting on hold on the phone to to fix it uh that i can bill them for those 10 hours of my time you know like i, I would <laughs> right i mean so so that's um and then, of course, you'd probably have to prove that your identity was stolen because of Yahoo. Maybe. Which. So I don't know. I just I feel like I feel like whatever the settlement is, it's not it's it's not sufficient. So what if it were 300 million? Where where's the money going to go? It's going right. to go to some lawyers or are they going to give everybody who had a Yahoo account 25 cents? Right. Right. Like, exactly. I don't see anything that they can give people that really solves the problem because the system is fundamentally broken. At the same time, I gotta I, I love the chutzpah of uh I love the chutzpah of Verizon asking for a discount. <laughs> I know. I uh, mean And they got it. So what happened what happened if Yahoo said no? I guess were they able to pull out at that point? Yeah. There was a whatever the the business equivalent of a morals clause or a or a surprise clause is uh they they could have they could have backed out of the purchase which was i mean that was a pretty big purchase for a company that most people had forgotten existed at that point yeah i mean i guess i i think of it like when you're buying a house or something and uh i don't know you went into contract on the house and then I guess right before closing, you found out that it has termites or something uh, or asbestos or, right. you know, you found out there's something seriously wrong um, yeah. and Un undue surprise or whatever the whatever the legal term on that is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, because uh, what is potentially the largest data breach in history would certainly be the equivalent of a of a house with both water and termite damage, I think. But, you know, <laughs> if I were Verizon, I would argue that the $350 million discount was not to cover expenses of dealing with the breach. Uh, it was because now Yahoo is worth less money. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is absolutely what, what it was about. I don't know that they thought that they were going to end up in the position they're in, but...
I don't know. They they didn't get the discount they wanted. They only got three fifty instead of a billion. So <laughs> I don't know. It it's all very strange. Uh, it'll be interesting to follow, though. It'll be very interesting to see what uh what happens next. Whether or not the court accepts this offer or says keep trying, guys, get out. This week's DRM not included in F5 Live is proudly part what proudly powered by Amazon Prime. Uh, you know you get free shipping sometimes two day, same day, uh, but you also get things like Prime Music, which gives you several million tracks you can uh, uh, listen to for free. Avram's favorite Prime Video, which has uh, movies, TV shows, documentaries, both original and licensed content. Again, part of your subscription. My favorite, which is Twitch Prime which gives you uh, a free subscription on Twitch. Uh, you can subscribe to Plug Hits Live or anybody else uh, to help uh, uh, support your favorite streamers. You can you also get free games every month. And if you're a Switch customer, you've got a Nintendo Switch, you can get a free year of Nintendo Switch Online. And there's more. We've got a list of some of our favorites. And if you're uh, quick links, to those services plus if you're not already a subscriber uh, we've got a free 30-day trial and you can get all of that by going to f5live.tv slash prime so um we know that youtube has made a number of changes over the last couple of years um they've they created youtube premium uh which became or which was previously known as YouTube Red uh, to build some subscription revenue. You got ad-free experience and things like that. They created um, their own original content. Some of it has backfired on them, and uh, but you know a lot of the original content has has uh, uh, worked out for them, especially if you're a premium subscriber. Uh, they've also got YouTube TV, which was created as a competitor to services like um sling tv hulu with live uh direct tv now services like that uh and this week a number of changes have uh, come into place the first is uh in the youtube originals uh google has actually confirmed that they are working on um like bandersnatch or you versus wild uh style choose your own adventure content uh, for youtube which in and of itself is an interesting idea, the ability to, uh, f to you know, create your own path through a story. It's obviously it's a, a tried and true uh, method because children's books come as uh, as choose your own adventure all the time, and uh, so it's it's kind of cool that that might be coming to YouTube. But my question is, can I use it? Right. Like, will they make, because YouTube is a, is a creator's platform, so as a creator, can I use the technology that they're developing for a Choose Your Own Adventure series to create my own? Because I kind of want to. <laughs> what do you think, Abram? 
<sighs> that would be cool. I mean, I love the. Uh, I think YouTube, by the way, has fantastic tools. Um, one thing I really wish that YouTube would do, maybe they're doing it and I'm just not aware of it. I really wish there was a way that you could have a private label YouTube. Like, you know, uh-huh. just use the YouTube hosting service and the YouTube, uh, YouTube tool editors and uploader and all that and, and apps and all that stuff, but be able to, but just, but be able to pay for hosting and sell your own, your own pre-roll ads or mid-roll ads or whatever, yeah. I think would be a great B2B service. So kind of like, um, uh, like bring the YouTube technology inside of uh, G Suite. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I Google if you're listening, um, <laughs> you know, because I, I have worked for a number of during the, the lifetime of YouTube. I worked for a few different publishing companies and, and everybody always says, oh, man, YouTube is great. It brings a lot of traffic to us, but we don't want to use YouTube as our primary video source because we can't sell the ads and we don't like the amount of money that we make from YouTube Cut it, you know, selling sure. the ads, Google sure. selling the ads. But um, although obviously there are some people who are making a, a living uh, on being YouTubers, so I guess it depends who you are. But, um, you know, it's amazing to me that people are actually paying. I'm just looking at this now the list of free, of uh, premium shows mm-hmm. that you get with YouTube Premium. Uh-huh. It's amazing to people that, me that people are actually paying to see PewDiePie. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's all I need to know to say that people shouldn't pay for that service. Um, <laughs> PewDiePie and Logan Paul, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think. I think we don't need. Um, I but yeah, it would be nice if their choose your own adventure thing was um, was a tool that everybody could use. Yeah, I I would like it. It uh, and uh, by the way, uh, PewDiePie is actually leaving uh, YouTube in favor of another service. Uh, he announced it Wednesday, I think. But yeah, anyway, um, with the big that it's actually a big deal. Uh, for them, because he's the number one subscribed to channel um, on YouTube, and he's moving to another platform. It's a pretty big deal for them. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think it's one of those things that, like, as a creator's platform, it's the thing that they do, right? Is they they have created a platform for creators to be able to distribute content. If they're going to build the technology, they should make it available to me. I. Yeah, I mean, even if it's not of, even if it's not a, a free thing, like if it's a if I have to pay something to be able to create a choose your own adventure story, I, that would probably be okay. It doesn't, but to develop it, just you know, like Netflix has developed this technology, and now they're just bringing out their second series on the technology. But YouTube is a everybody uploads your thing. I think it would be. It would make sense if you're going to build the tech, make it available. Oh man, just think of all the things you could do with it. I mean, it's forget just like the the doing storytelling. Like you could do like a tutorial or a buying guide or something yep. where it's like, oh, you want to know about this? Do that. One of the things that YouTube, I think, 
was was first to do or if somebody else did it they were sort of popularized it was having hot links within the video ah the annotations like, that are now gone yeah i mean i thought that was really uh an innovative thing yeah for sure shame for shame shame uh can't you can't do it at all anymore no huh. that was one of the that's one of the 13 uh features and services that they have uh, disabled over the last 93 days or whatever it was last week that we talked about. I know. I, I know. I really like that. But, you, you know, have, like you can have cards, which are not quite the same thing um, because they don't they're not overlay. Which oh, was, I think I which was the big thing, right? That was the big thing about annotations was that they were overlay. Right, right. And then there, I guess there's an issue because your overlay might be there the same time as they want to have an ad overlay. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I, I know that they never actually built the the uh, annotation system for any of the mobile apps. Right. Yeah, that's it. That's the other thing. It never worked on mobile. I think the idea was it was too big for mobile or whatever. I don't know. So, but anyway, I guess... My larger point there is that YouTube is has been a pioneer in interactivity in yeah. the video, so uh, yeah, I'd love to see them build a tool that makes this available. Yeah, it would be it like you said, not even for just for storytelling. I one of the first things that popped into my mind when I was when I was reading that they were doing this, and the reason why I was like, "Ooh, I wonder if they're going to let me do it," is the idea of being able to do like an interactive tutorial or an interactive uh, product review. Right. You do your your intro to a product review and then say, you know, we did the we did the battery. We did the the weight. We did the usability and the keyboard and the and now you can decide what part of the video you want to go to next. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I would love something like that. Yeah, that would be that would be great. So I think, um, you know, I hope. I hope they'll do something like that. It's definitely uh, something that people people will want, and you know, I think for it to really catch on, you'll need it to, to put it into the hands of you know of a of a huge ecosystem of creators. Yeah, for sure, and that's what they're known for. Um, on the other hand, they've got YouTube TV, which is the opposite of. Uh, <laughs> Of being a platform for creators, it is a uh, just a t- live TV streaming service. Um, when it launched two years ago, it was thirty-five dollars. Um, as of now, it is now fifty dollars. If you are an existing subscriber, if you are a new subscriber, uh, it actually looks like it'll be fifty-five dollars, which is what like a forty forty-five percent increase, fifty-five percent increase, something like that, forty-five percent increase in price in a two-year time period which is not unique in this industry we have seen almost all of the services do this um i think other than hulu with live tv i think sling's gone up we know uh direct tv now has gone up because we talked about that two weeks ago um because there's it's gone up so much that there's a lawsuit uh it are, do these like do these streaming companies? Do you think just not understand who their target demographic is that they because they just keep adding new channels and as the new channels come in the price goes up 
and YouTube TV is a or, yeah YouTube TV is officially more expensive than the TV portion of my cable subscription is. Here's the problem: they you can't. There's no people are unhappy about how much cable costs, mm-hmm. but what these companies like YouTube are finding out is that. It's not that cable companies are being extremely greedy. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they are. But the content providers charge money. Uh-huh. So and a lot of the contracts are all or nothing. You either have to you either have to provide all of our stations to all of your viewers or you don't get anything. Right. See what a difference what a stark difference between the music streaming business and the video streaming business, right? Like the music streaming business, like artists have been like, uh huh, you know, the, I don't know if this is, it's not good for the artists, but you know, like for consumers and for distributors like Spotify, the, the distributors won, right? Like, there are all these company. There are all these artists. They they're really mad because they don't get paid a lot on Spotify, but they have their content there anyway, mm-hmm. right? And and people are paying like fifteen to ten dollars a month, and and can listen to basically all the stuff that they want. Right now, with video, the price keeps going. Now, obviously, video costs a lot more to make than some than music, mm-hmm. uh, but the the cost just keeps going up the provide and, and the content creators are the ones who really are setting the cost. Yeah. So if, if you know, if, if somebody could, and, and it's what sling did, and I don't know if it's still that way, but you know, the big thing about sling was that there were packages, right? You could say, I just want the core. You know, I just want the 20 basic stations. And, you know, it's kind of the way Dish Network worked uh, when I sold it a very long time ago. Uh, well, I guess when we carried it. I don't think anybody ever actually sold it. But uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> wrong verb. Um, anyway, um, when it was in our product listing, um, you know, Dish Network worked that way. You know, for $15 a month, you could get the the your local channels and the the like six core basics or whatever and then you could add the animal channels or you know whatever the nature channels and get uh national geo and animal planet and whatever else and that but cable doesn't work that way there's no a la carte (laughs) when it comes to cable you get everything and then you pay for hbo cinemax and showtime or you get nothing get out <laughs> and the the streaming services have been going that same way this all or nothing thing and like you said i think it's i think it's the content owners that are requiring it comcast saying if you want the local nbc affiliate you also have to have animal planet or you know whatever weird rules they have around it and that's that's brought the price up significantly which makes it fall out of the target demo <laughs> It's it's crazy to me. Um, hopefully, you know, either we have some sort of like bottoming out, right, and and the content owners start figuring out that they are ruining the industry, <laughs> or I or I guess people just deal with it. I don't know. It'll be interesting to. I, I think in the utopian future to come, 
robots will provide all of our basic needs, our food, our health care, our housing. But people will still have to work 50 to 60 hours a week to pay for streaming. I just almost spit my drink out. Thank you, Avram. <laughs> people will have to. People will have to. So if you're worried that people, you know, that people will not have, you know, motivation to work, remember that streaming, that you could, you could work, you know, a full, full-time job just to pay for your streaming. Uh, yes. Because uh, Disney Plus is going to cost uh, another $7 a month. Right. It, it's just going to add up, right? <laughs> like, you, you're going to have, you're going to have to have, look, I need all these services and I'm, I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out like when is a good time for me to subscribe to CBS All Access just so I can watch Star Trek season two of Star Trek Discovery and then unsubscribe to binge it at the end of the season. (laughs) Yeah. I'm waiting for it to end. Right. And then (laughs) I got to, and then I got to make sure that it's a time when, you know, you can sit down and watch the whole season. I can sit down and watch it for, for 13 hours. (laughs) Uh huh. (laughs) Right. Uh, and then there's, you know, and then there's a new Disney channel coming Yep. and Disney plus, and then there, and then there's DC Universe that I would like to subscribe to. There's I would like to subscribe to BritBox, which I did a trial of and cancel. I would like <laughs> so. It, there's. Oh, I went and looked at that one. That's all all your fault. I went and did. And I get ads for it all the time now. The, the, you can't, you can't, you can't win. And there's so many, like I don't, you know. There's a couple of shows on Hulu I'd like to watch, but I'm just skipping that because I like it's you've got to draw a line somewhere. So like, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's it's a lot of money, you know, entertainment. But when you think about it, you know, what are you getting for that? If if you're, you're getting a channel where you get a lot of shows mm-hmm. that, that you actually watch, it might be worth it. Right. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. The problem is when you have streaming services that have like one show that you want to watch and it's not even on all year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so why am I paying for this? Like like CBS uh, All Access. Yeah. Like Netflix, there was a while when I had like suspended my Netflix account. But now every time i think i'm out of stuff to watch i i finish one show on netflix another new original netflix show comes on that i want to see yep so like so they're churning them out so fast on netflix that i can't i can't even like if the the churn stopped i might i might unsubscribe but it keeps going so now I think eventually we're going to hit peak content and like Netflix, for example, which is spending it at some kind of a deficit right now is probably going to have a, have a problem and not be able to produce as much content anymore. Oh yeah. I, they're all, yeah, they're running at a huge deficit. So th- obviously they've got to change something at some point. Right. I mean, they might have to bring, maybe they have to bring in ads. Um, it's it's what happened to the cable business, right? So, 
but I appreciate the gold rush right now where mm-hmm. companies are, are bringing on all these shows because there's some good shows there. There's some really good content. Big you budget, just have to pay for it. Big budget stuff that simply couldn't happen on on network or cable anymore. Well, or maybe because network and, ca- network and cable, maybe they, they may have the money, but they just don't have the uh, interest. I don't know. The daring or whatever. The, yeah. The creative, uh, the creative interest. Like, yeah, there's definitely that. There's so many good shows on Netflix now. I thought I would miss the Marvel shows, but nah. Watch Umbrella Academy. Right? Oh, so good. Renewed yeah. for a second season, by the way. Yes. Huzzah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> watch, watch Umbrella Academy. Like, there's your, there's your answer. There's just something like that every, coming up every month. Yeah. At least. Yeah, it definitely seems to be a constant thing, and uh, I definitely appreciate it. Well, that is our show. Uh, thank you for those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate it. If you didn't and would like to in the future, normally on Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us and uh, join us live in the studio. Um, if you can't join us live, that is okay. Plugkidslive.com slash subscribe. Um, and there you will see uh, all of our shows and links to be able to subscribe on Apple or Google or wherever you want to listen. Uh, we try to make it as easy as possible. If we are not in a place that you would like us to be, let us know and we will do our best to, uh, to make it happen. We will not be on next week because, um, uh, well, A, it's Easter and B, I'll be in the air. Uh, coming back from the first world championship uh, in Houston. So uh, no show next week, but uh, we'll be back to normal after that, I hope. Um, And so I guess uh, with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back in two weeks. Ciao.